But I had the joy and the privilege of spending yesterday afternoon in Liverpool Cathedral in a dress. I don't know if you've ever had an outfit that you were a bit unsure about, whether it would look good on you or not, and what you needed was an encouraging word from a friend to tell you that you look nice. I um, got, my, got my costume out and Charlotte asked me to try it on so that she could see me wearing the full stuff. Put it on, she fell on the floor laughing. <laughs> Thought this is not the encouraging exchange I needed before I wore this in public. But there was a service at Liverpool Cathedral yesterday because we were saying goodbye and farewell to Bishop Paul and Kate as he heads off into retirement. And when a, a bishop retires, the great and the good from around the world come to say their farewells. And we are delighted this morning to have the Reverend Dr. Lee Hillswell with us from the Diocese of Virginia. So Lee, would you come and join me at the front to give a round of applause? As I said, Lee has joined us from the Diocese of but Lee, would you tell us who you are, what you do? First of all, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Oh, you guys can do it. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I love it. It is so good to be in this space with you and to experience uh, the sweet, sweet spirit that is all around. It is a joyful, joyful atmosphere that you've created, and I am delighted and honored to be here. My name is Lee Hill, and I serve as the missioner for racial justice and healing in the Diocese of Virginia. And I'm here this week uh, in part to say farewell on behalf of our diocesan bishop, uh, or on behalf of our ecclesiastical authority, Bishop Susan Goff, but also to share in meetings and work that is related to the Triangle of Hope. And I'll share a little bit more about the Triangle of Hope. So there is this relationship that exists um, between the Episcopal Diocese of Virginia, the Diocese of Kumasi in Ghana, and the diocese here in Liverpool, where we have this unique opportunity for young people, teenagers, to travel to all of our dioceses to have conversations about racial justice, about healing, about culture and tradition, each one of them having the opportunity to have these experiences, these exchanges. And so we are here, I'm here today in part to share some of that planning for that work but also to get some good energy about what happens here in Liverpool. So it's been a delight to be here. It's so good to have you with us. The, the work that you do is, is so important and it's foundational to lots of the conversations that the church needs to have as we embrace difference and diversity. How, how can we enter into conversations about race and racial inequality? Well, because so often we, we feel anxious, don't we, when we have those conversations, and it can make everyone kind of, their stomach clenches, and we think, oh, rats, I don't want to say the wrong thing, or say something I don't mean, or, or misspeak, but how can we enter into those conversations as well? I'm a huge proponent of relationship, of creating spaces where folks are able to be in loving, caring, nurturing relationship with one another. And it's true that the difficulties of having these conversations around race are not easy. It makes us all feel uncomfortable and it makes for difficult conversation when there has not been a rooting and grounding in relationship. There's something powerful that happens when you sit at table or sit in circle and dialogue with someone that's different but that share some of the same kind
kinds of hopes and dreams and longings for your life, for life together. And when you are able to share those spaces together, then I believe that it makes it much more easier to enter into these hard conversations about race. Why? Because suddenly you begin to make space for grace. And so you are much more willing to open your heart and hear the other, to walk in another person's shoes because I know their heart. So I believe that when we create those spaces, those opportunities, these kinds of spaces where there is community and relationship with one another, and the dialogue for race, dialogue that makes race, racial justice conversations difficult becomes much more easy. Nice. How can we pray for you, I'd love for you to enter into prayer for me for the work of racial justice not only in the Diocese of Virginia, but throughout the Triangle of Hope. Those are, these are difficult spaces to enter in and have conversations about the experiences of those who have been enslaved and for those who are experiencing oppression in so many different ways. But to hold our work of the Triangle of Hope, of which you are a part of as the Diocese of Liverpool, to hold our shared work of justice, reconciliation and healing for our world to hold that all in prayer. Fantastic. Let's pray fully now, shall we? You might want to stretch your hand out as we pray. Yes. Let's lift lead before the Lord this morning. Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much that you are a God of relationship and friendship, that you're always revealing your great love and your great kindnesses towards us. And Jesus, we thank you this morning that you're not only that you love him, that you see his heart for you, for justice, for equality, that the kingdom of God would draw near in us and through us. And Jesus, we pray that as he works to bring about your kingdom in Virginia, through the relationships that he holds, that you will bless him, that you will pour your spirit out. Lord, we thank you for the lives that are gonna be transformed for the relationships that are going to be healed, for the divided communities brought together through the work that this man does. We just send them out in the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Lee. It's lovely to have you with us, mate. Let's give it a round of applause, shall we? Fantastic. Well, St Andrew's Church isn't just a church in isolation on its own, as it is Lee was sharing, but we are part of a wider something. We're part of the Diocese of Liverpool, and so it is a pleasure and a privilege that we have um, the Archdeacon Mike McGurk with us this morning. Um, I, I would describe Mike as my boss. I think probably that's ultimately the Bishop of Liverpool, isn't it? But if I was ever in trouble, Mike would be the one who would tell me off on the Bishop's behalf, which probably makes him my boss, doesn't it? Uh, but Mike's um, joined us this morning. He's going to be um, preaching for us in just a moment and then sharing something of the new direction of Liverpool Diocese later on. Mike, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Do you want to come up? And we're gonna we're gonna pray for Mike before he shares with us this morning. Let's pray for Mike, shall we? Jesus, we thank you so much, Mike. We thank you for his friendship, his friendship to us as a church community and a family. 
and we thank you for the leadership and the authority that he carries as the Archdeacon of Liverpool. And Jesus, we pray that as he comes to share with us this morning, we would discover more about who you are and who you made us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hopefully this is... Have you turned it on? Yep. So hopefully this is on. Um, I'm going to invite Catherine up to actually read our Bible reading, but I want to set you a challenge. Each one of you to listen to a word or a phrase, so as she reads it, that there is something that actually means something to you. Because it's all too easy whenever we read the scripture for it to just wash all over us and we become familiar with it. And actually, there is a part of this that I just want you to think of a word or a phrase that speaks to you. I'm not going to ask you to explain the reason why, but I just want you to sit back and to listen as you do that. I might ask you, if you're willing to, to share what that word or that phrase is, not to explain the reason why. So as you listen to God's word, um, just listen out for a word or a phrase that shouts out to you and that you can pick up on. Okay, this morning's reading is Mark 6, verses 7 to 13. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two, and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your written word. Thank you for your spoken word. Thank you that you are the living word of God, made flesh, making your home in our neighbourhood. So speak to us through your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. 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 So as I said, I'm always very conscious, and years ago, as a person who regularly reads the Bible, I can just, you know, for somebody who's been wandering around this mountain a long time, I can read the same passage over and over again. And every single time I read the passage of any scripture, I'm saying, God, speak to me about one word. You see... I'm an Irishman from the west of Ireland, a fake Egypt from the west of Ireland, who actually, one word is enough for me. Yeah? I can't cope with a lot. Just speak to me about one word. So whenever the challenge comes to us to read the word of God, which is so important in our lives, pray, God, reveal that one thing that speaks to me. So is anyone brave enough to actually say what word or phrase jumped out of them? I'm not asking you to explain the reason why, but just that one phrase. He gave them authority. That is fantastic. And that's part of it. Anybody else? Anybody willing? It's as simple as that. Just repeat back what you've already heard. Anybody else? Come on now, you're not shy in this place. I know that. Come on. You know, bear with me. I'm a walker talker, so here we go. Two by two. Two by two. We're in relationship. Lee's already said relationship is part of the key. God wants a relationship with us. Come on, Dan. Yeah, I mean, you're itching. You know, I've never heard you to be so silent, so come on. Take nothing for the journey. Our provision, our, our trust needs to be in God. You were the same. Well, you two can go on the journey together. Two by two. There we go. Anybody else? Here we go. They gathered. Gathered together. Anybody else? Come on, back in the cheap seats. Come on. 
the 12 cycles. You see, it's so easy whenever we actually read the scripture to allow the word to actually speak to us. And each one of those, and I'm sure you might have other words that are actually all part and parcel of it all. And that's so important because actually, God's in the business of speaking to us today. We don't have to rely on something that happened 2,000 years ago, even though we do. God wants to speak to us today and reveal himself to each and every single one of us through his word today. And that excites me. Because as I read this scripture and as I sort of thought about it, quite a few things came to my mind. They spoke to me. And if they speak to me, because I've got the microphone, they're going to speak to you. <laughs> you don't have much of a choice. And part of that is one of my roles as an archdeacon in Liverpool Diocese and also the Archdeacon of Wigan. I can't forget that I've now also inherited that and the Metropolis of Wigan. is about the, the appointments of new vicars. So yes, I will be responsible for replacing. I've also got to say, I love this lady. This lady is incredible. She came in and the first thing she said was, Are you our new vicar? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, but the enthusiasm, the joy, that just coming bounded in. That's contagious, folks. The spirit of the living God is contagious in our lives. And this woman, you are absolutely full of it. And I honour you and I bless you because you are an absolute star. I just want to hang out with you. I want to hang out with you. You, know, you do me good, woman. You do me good. And that's actually part and parcel of what we do. But part of this is actually God bringing us to that place and role descriptions. And actually, part of my job is to write role descriptions. I have to sort of journey with the church to figure out what it was looked like, what it's going to look like, how we can reflect the community, and making sure that actually there is a real sense of God's calling upon the next person as we interview, as we discern, to make sure that that person fits the profile, fits the role, fits the community, fits the people of God who are gathered there, to journey alongside. They're not there to do everything for you, but they are there to serve alongside. So I just wanted to share, and I've written this down, I don't often use notes, but actually, um, job adverts are really important. Molly, if you can flick onto the job adverts slide. Yeah? Sometimes the next one? Well, carry on going. There you go. Sometimes I feel like this whenever I see jobs and everything else and I'm thinking, actually, that sounds like my job. What's the bishop trying to say to me? Yeah? But um, it's not. So, anybody looking for a job at the moment? Anyone? No? Oh, great, great. Well, anyhow, I Google searched some jobs currently available here in the UK. Because since my job is to write out role descriptions, I thought I'll check out what's on the market at the moment. So, on the market at the moment, actual jobs. Scarecrow wanted. You all know what a scarecrow is? Yeah? Scarecrow wanted. A volunteer is wanted to work as a scarecrow in a field near Didcot in Oxfordshire. Don't go south, folks. Stay up north. Weekends only. You'll be pleased to know. No previous experience is needed as full training will be given. Must be able to stand up for several hours without a break and have no fear of birds. No time wasters, please. Another one that I saw, which I found quite fascinating, waiter, waitress wanted. Must be 18 years old with at least 20 years experience. <laughs> Try figure that one out. 
And then the final one, I don't know if healthcare is quite an important thing, and if you work in the NHS, please forgive me for this, but surgeon wanted for a new health clinic opening in the area. No experience needed, but must have their own tools. <laughs> I don't encourage you signing up to that health clinic. I don't know why, but my discernment is just sort of doing that. But part of the job, the role description of every Christian, I believe, is entailed. As I read that Mark scripture, every single one of us has a job and a function to do. Our role, people often sort of come to me and say, what's the will of God for my life? I have lots of people, and especially in the past when I was youth pastoring and everything else, young adults will come and sort of say, Mike, well, tell me, where should I go? What should I do? Should I go out with this person? Should I go to that place? Should I take this job? Should I blah, 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 blah. And actually, we're all looking for our purpose. We're all looking for who we are and what God is calling us to be. And I believe in this one scripture, the three or four things that shouted out at me, those little lines I wanted to share with you, that I believe is the role description of every single one of us. So as we look for the vicar, as we look for leaders, as we look for you as disciples, as we look for each one of us, this is what I believe is actually fundamentally in included. So if you, Molly, if you could just click on a couple of slides. The next one. There you go. So this is my paraphrase of that entire scripture, the things that really shouted out at me, where it says, he called them and he sent them. Everything about that scripture is he called them to himself and then he sent them out. We as a diocese of Liverpool, we have something called the rule of life that many of us sign up to. And the rule of life is actually being called and then sent. To be called is to pray, to read, and to learn. Every single one of us has the ability to pray, to build in relationship with God, to read the word of God, to allow God's word to penetrate our hearts and our minds, but also to learn more about God. For each one of us to know more about Jesus today and the Holy Spirit than we did last week, or the week before, or five years ago, or ten years ago. You see, one of my frustrations with the church is that we rely on an encounter that happened 10 years ago. We're always living in the past. God's present. God is omnipresent. He is here with us today. He wants to engage with each one of us today. Forget the former things. See, I'm doing a new thing. That excites me today, that God is doing a new thing in my life. It's a challenge because it means I've got to participate. I've got to listen. I've got to do the things. So he calls us to himself, and then he also sends us out, which is part of our rule of life, pray, read, learn, but then also to tell, serve, and give. And the wonderful thing about this place, as I stand before you, I know the history of this church. I know the legacy of this church. I know what you are currently doing, and that telling, serving, and giving is part and parcel of them. Last time I was here at one of the PCC meetings, I said to them, this church is a very special place to me. Because I was literally standing down the back at a new wine women's conference. Try to figure that one out. Yeah? But I was here at a new wine women's conference. I was one of the event managers. I used to work for a tour event production company and we did all the events for new wine. And I was here and this was packed with women. And I got a phone call telling me that I'd been accepted for ordination. Here, just down there. I was in Manchester at the time, serving over there, but actually it was here that I heard that phone call off my bishop after being at a selection panel, after being everything else, that I was called to ordination in the Church of England. 
because I wasn't quite sure. So this place always, every single time I drive past it, I remember that calling me that, that confirmation by my bishop that I was called to ordain ministry. So part of that, he called them and he sent them to preach the good news, to heal the sick and to cast out demons. So there's four points in this scripture that I wanted to touch on. First one is that he called them to himself. God is in the business and the first priority each one of us has is to draw near to God. You cannot rely upon a person wearing a piece of plastic around the neck to do it all for you. If you are, you're stuffed. You genuinely are. The responsibility is on each one of us to build our relationship with God. I'll let the early congregation know a very big secret. Now be, please, you know, be gentle with this one, yeah? Just be mindful. I'm going to let you into something that might really surprise you. I'm not perfect. Now I know, I know that might come as a shock. I do apologise. None of us are. None of us are. No clergy person is perfect. And if you want that person to fulfil everything for you, that won't happen. Jesus is perfect. He's the one that we go to. He's the one that actually makes the difference in each one of our lives. So he calls you to into relationship with him. Have you thought that? That actually, when I'm in the lowest point possible, God himself, Jesus, came down from heaven to earth. Not just 2,000 years ago, but to be with me. The reason why I always pray that, pray that prayer at the beginning. Lord, thank you for your written word. Thank you for your spoken word. But thank you that you are the living word of God, made flesh, making your home among me today. In our neighbourhood, here in Club Hall, here in Liverpool Diocese, here around the world, God is present by the power of the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. And he calls us into relationship with him. But it's a two-way relationship. I've been married 30, 30 years next month. And ultimately, if it was one way, we might not have lasted a few weeks. But you've had to engage in it. And it's costly and it's sacrificial. And you have to sort of lay down a number of things in your own life in order to continue doing that. Or maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I've got the wrong deal. I don't know. I don't know what relationships are like elsewhere. But so I can only be accountable for the one I've got. But God wants a relationship with each one of us. He wants to call you to himself. And he did that with the disciples. He gathered people together. We meet together as a church community because God wants to speak to us. Not so that we can just have a nice holy huddle and we can sing our songs and we can all think, fantastic, that's it now, we're done for the week. I call it that far too often, the church, we have our spiritual barbecues on a Sunday and then we fast the rest of the week. God isn't calling us to that. God is calling us into a 24-7-365 relationship with him every single day. And it's dependent on you playing your part, because God's already promised his part. He's there. He's asking you to do what you need to do. So the first point I wanted to make is that God calls you, calls each and every single one of us to himself. The second thing that I got out of this, right at the end of that mark, and yes, we can focus on the being sent and not taking provision and not doing this and not doing everything else. He sent them to share the good news, to ask people to repent. 
I don't know about you, but does anyone watch the news? You know, it's awful. It is genuinely awful. Now, most of you are far too young to ever remember this, but Trevor McDonald at News at 10, the final item was always a good news story. It was always a joke, or it was always something that would actually leave you, oh, that's not too bad. Because even the weather's not good anymore. <laughs> but ultimately, God has given us good news to share. He's called us into relationship with him, and then he's saying, go, share that good news. The good news of Jesus, the good news of the power of the Holy Spirit, the good news that the Father loves each and every single one of us and wants a relationship with us. The good news that the prodigal son is welcome back, the prodigal child, the prodigal daughter is welcome back, and that the Father's looking out for him. That's the good news. And each one of us, you will get to places that anyone wearing one of these will never get. Because you're already there. You're already in your homes, you're already in your schools, you're in your colleges, you're in your workplaces, you're in the various different places that God has placed you. So God wants a relationship with us, but then he also wants us to play our part by going and sharing that good news. That was the commission of the disciples. That's the commission of the church. Matthew 28 is really clear on saying, therefore, go and make disciples. It's not an optional extra. It's not like electric windows on your car or heating seats or anything else. If you sign up for this Christian malarkey and you choose to be a follower of Jesus, it's not an optional extra. It's part of our DNA, it's part of who we are, to talk about Jesus in our places. To talk about the good news that he's come to reconcile each one of us to everything else. So he's called us to himself, he sent us to share the good news, and the next thing he talks about is about healing the sick. This isn't just some prayer ministry on the side for those who physically have hurt their big toe or stubbed their little finger or anything else. This is about real reconciliation with the Father. God has come to set the captives free. God has come to this earth to bring about healing, body, mind and spirit, into each one of our lives. And he sent the Holy Spirit in order to do this. I was sharing this morning that actually many years ago I had a dream. I was at a conference and the preacher was preaching and that night I must have gone to bed and things were there. And I woke up in the middle of the night and Jesus was at the foot of my bed. That doesn't often, uh, often happen. My dream is normally in the 90th minute I'm scoring the foot goal in the FA Cup final. That's my normal sort of, you know, on the NFL touchdown or whatever else. That's my normal dream where I'm at on a, you know, a personal way. I still think I'm 16 years of age and still could be signed up. You know, so bear with me on that one. But ultimately, I saw Jesus at the foot of my bed. And after being slightly shocked by that, I thought to myself, what do you want? I thought it was a logical question to ask, you know, what do you want? Is this my time, God? Is this it, you know? And ultimately, Jesus turned around to me and said, give me back these stuff. And that puzzled me for a little while. Give me back my stuff. What does that actually mean? Give me back my stuff. And ultimately, all of a sudden, and, and I, got, I don't know if this is right or not, I told you I wasn't perfect. I started to almost feel as though I wanted to have an argument with Jesus saying, what stuff? I've given you my life. As a family, we're following you. As a family, we've laid down our lives. We've moved to a foreign country called Liverpool. You know, <laughs> remember I'm a bank, you know. There's some distant countries in this world and actually down the M62 was a big journey. 
laid down everything. And Jesus says to him, give me back your stuff, Mike. And I'm getting slightly more irate. And I said, God, what is stuff that I've got of yours? And he said, the anger, the frustration, the pain, the animosity, the sin, all the things with family breakdown. I come from a very dysfunctional family. All of the things that I carry myself. God was saying, it doesn't belong to you anymore. I died on the cross. That belongs to me. Give me back my stuff. That no longer belongs to you, Mike. What belongs to you is the love, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the healing, the provision, the reconciliation that I have brought. That's the gift I give to you. John 10, 10 clearly says, I come that you may have life in all of its abundance. And God is saying, that's his stuff that he wants to give to us. Not the stuff that I hold dear to because it's me and because I like it. So Jesus is talking about healing of each one of us, giving back the things that actually rightfully belong to him. For us to be the human beings that God created us to be. With our frailties, with our problems, with our hiccups, with everything else, he, God wants all of that to happen. Even with whichever football team you're supporting. <laughs> but ultimately, God wants everything and wants to bring us back into right relationship. That's ultimately the healing that God gets. The greatest miracle ever is when someone is taken from darkness to lightness because of his saving grace, because of what he's already accomplished. And the third thing out of all of this is God also commanded the disciples when they went to these places to cast out demons. Now, I'm not into horror movies or anything else. And I know Hollywood, the only time I ever saw something was all of a sudden this rotating head and pea suit being spurted out. I'm not talking about that type of demons. But actually, we are clear as a church and as an organisation, and the word of God is very clear, that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we do fight against principalities and authorities. There is something in the heavens that means that the social justice elements of our communities, we need to come against. As a church, we're called to bring good news to the poor. We're called to bring that healing and that reconciliation. But we're also called to say, no, on my watch, that cannot happen. Few food poverty should not be happening in our society. All the things that we see around us that you watch on the news should not be happening in our society. And God's challenge to us as a church is to say, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do to actually say, do you know, our prayer meetings are normally the least well attended. They should actually be the ones that are fighting in the heavenly, saying, God, we should not be allowing that to happen. Domestic abuse should not be anywhere near any of our communities. The violence perpetrated against children should not be. We need to say, God, not on our watch. Because that's what God has empowered the church by the Holy Spirit. He didn't ask us to do it on our own. He's saying, I've given you the Holy Spirit so that you may be the people of God that will be the hope for our communities. Racial justice should not even be, this man should not even be in a job. Sorry about that. Yeah? Yeah? Forget it all, mortgage, whatever else. But ultimately, we shouldn't have that. All of the inequalities, all the things that happen. Because if we truly believe what the Word of God is saying, He called us to Himself. And he sent us out to bring the good news, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. 
And that's the challenge for each and every single one of us. If you think what I want for the next vicar here is somebody who will assign to that. But they can't do it on their own. They need each and every single one of you to play your part. Each and every single one of you to be the man and the woman of God and the child of God to actually say, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am. I sign up for that. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means for me to be a representative of your body of Jesus Christ here. That's what I got from this scripture. And it challenges me just as much as hopefully it challenges you. Because ultimately God wants the bride of Christ to grow and to be. You know, part of our diocese we're saying we're asking God. We are asking God. Let's not forget, if it's just down to you and I, we will struggle. But God is the one who can, you know, as I drove here this morning and Lee and I, and I'm just driving past a few of the doors and I'm just looking at him thinking, I haven't got a clue who lives there. But God does. I might never get the other side of that door. But God's already there. And that's the beauty for your next door neighbour. As you pray for him, pray for your neighbour, pray for your neighbourhood. To actually say, God, I might not know those people. I don't know their situations. I don't know what they're facing. But you do. And that's where the Holy Spirit, when it fell on the disciples, they were in a locked up room. Most of our homes are locked and secured. And that's where the presence of the Holy Spirit can come and flood their hearts and flood their minds. And a change in position. Because if you read it, I'm going totally off script here, but if you read it, it says the disciples were all seated, and as a church, we are very good at being seated, and then the Holy Spirit fell, and they got up and they went out. And I think there is something prophetic for each and every single one of us, that when the Holy Spirit falls upon us, it changes our position, it changes our stance, it changes the way that we want to engage in our community, so that social justice is there. That liberation, not just freedom, but liberation. Total and utter liberation is proclaimed. And the year of the world's failure is proclaimed in this community and beyond. So when people ask me what I'm looking for, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I want. And I have my responsibility, you have yours. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that each and every single one of us will respond to that. I'm just going to invite the band back up to come and just minister into play. Because actually, it takes each one of us to make a response. It can't be someone else. There's always the temptation in church that it's always somebody else's responsibility. Well, they're better qualified than me. They're this or they're that. Some of you will know in this place, I was mute until I was 11 years of age. I've made up for it since. Yeah? But when a person who struggles reading and writing stands before you as the Archdeacon, I'm still officially illiterate, according to a textbook. I still have to have on my computer every single document. It has to be read to me by a dictator phone on my computer. I stand before you as a broken man who is learning every single day what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'm not there. But I trust in the Holy Spirit that's there to equip and empower and release me to be the man of God that I'm supposed to be. And I pray no matter who you are, no matter what background you come from, no matter who, whatever circumstances you face, tomorrow, next day, respond to that call of God. Say, here I am, Lord, send me. Because in the interim and in the vacancy, the danger is, well, let's just stop. Let's just do things. 
The thing that this amazing couple, and I want to honour this couple, they are amazing, I'm delighted to call them friends, hopefully. You still be friends, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, each one of us, we need to play our part. And this is your response. And I just wonder as the music is playing, and I haven't thought through this, we haven't even discussed it, but just as you sit there, please don't do it because other people are doing it. But if you're able to, and you just want to respond, this is between you and God, that as they worship and as we worship, and when it's right for you, if you're able to, whether it's physically or even just spiritually, I want you to stand before God and just to say, God, I give you everything I have. One of my favorite things is when the boy gave the five loaves and two fish. And many of you might have heard me say this before, but for me, that's my fish finger buttons. All I've got, I give to you, God. I don't have much, but I give to you. And that's what I want you to do. Whatever you your fish finger buttons is, just give it to God and say, good news, healing demons. And it's a personal response between you and God. So we're gonna worship for a bit. And then we'll do that, and then we'll just see how the Spirit of God, and if people have got words, if people have got pictures or scriptures, please, you're at all. This is God. We all need to hear from God. Don't wait for me to say it. Allow the Holy Spirit to rest upon each one of us and to share that, and then we'll respond and we'll go from there. So allow the Spirit of God to move, and if, at any point, don't do it because you feel as though you need to, respond in the way that you need to respond. Let's worship together.